This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel, and we've got an excellent guest for you today. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I am the president and CEO of Sales Fuel, not the excellent guest, however, hopefully an excellent guest. <laughs> Steve Napolitan is our guest. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you? Hey, we're good. We're yeah. thrilled to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. Well, for those of you who don't know Steve, we met him several times through the C-Suite Network at events around the country. He is a two-time number one best-selling author and award-winning marketer and has made millions for his clients and work for companies such as Apple, Intel, Charles Schwab, and Nestle. My God. Steve has some thoughts and tips on managing smarter for all of you, how it looks growing with a growing global workforce and the tech and the AI that's coming our way. And you also have a unique view of work-life balance, Steve, and hours versus productivity that we're going to put everybody. Yeah, I want to learn more about that. Uh, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a big deal. Like, you know, this, we're moving past the age where we're defined by how many hours we work, uh, more by what results we're producing. And that has been the case for years, but it's like, more of a conscious conscious effort and we're finding too that the, when we work less hours we actually the hours we do work are so, so much more productive and and so it's a, it's a big leap and it takes a different shift in mindset because we're not used to thinking this way some of our audience is here in the United States and so we're used to being you know up toward the top and levels of productivity worldwide and I think we're like number four in the number of hours worked something like that last last results that I saw are you seeing that the, the folks in the United States are now starting to realize you know maybe I want to start stop killing myself and uh, dial back the number of hours but but the productivity stays high well it is it is emerging I would say it's still the minority of the thought process but I, so I typically work with c level executives or entrepreneurs or other leaders and it's a it's a must for me to start with the leader because if the leader doesn't believe in it it's really hard to make a cultural shift in an organization and so typically when I'm working with the CEO let's take as an example and we start making shifts in their daily activities weekly quarterly activities and allowing them to have more time for themselves because you you know, for me, I was a complete workaholic, grew up in Silicon Valley with all these growing, fast growing companies and you're working, working, working. And I got stuck in that rat race myself. So I first, firsthand saw the difference in my life when I actually slowed down um, and, and that I was actually making better decisions, smarter decisions where I made, I noticed how many mistakes I could have avoided if I would have slowed down just a little bit. And, um, and then when I bring, coming back to the CEOs that I, that I help and consult with, the first thing we do is shift that. And then they're starting to make more powerful. And basically I just asked them, I'm like, Hey, so how did it go? Oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I, my decisions are better. You know, I'm making, you know, all these things are, are improving. And then, and then I basically say, well, why wouldn't you want this for all of your team? And then that's when the light bulb goes on. So it's very important for us. I think first it comes back to us as a person, like to really experience that when we actually slow down, we find we have a lot more answers in our head 
than we thought because we didn't quiet ourselves. When you're just go, 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 you can't slow down enough to actually hear how smart we are. We're all smarter than we think we are if we give ourselves enough recovery. Uh, when you deplete your energy, I guess the last metaphor I'll, I'll, I'll give here to kind of seal the point on this is that if you had a power operated, a battery operated drill and you're drilling holes and you have like five more holes to do, but your battery is dying and it's going <laughs> and you're barely getting those done and you're like, just five more, I can do it. It's, it's not smart. If we actually stop, go get another battery. Yes, we're stopping that work, um, but it makes all the difference. Uh, in our in doing it at a faster rate, and so it's 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 way overlooked. We're we're really, not recovering. I'm really curious how you actually get to have that conversation because, like, when you first have the conversation with a CEO and you, and you, and you want to tell them it's like, hey, if you actually did, took more breaks and worked less, your productivity would go up. I bet that a few people have looked at you like you're the devil or something, Eight and hats. they want you to get out of the office. <laughs> Oh, ab ab absolutely. Like I can tell you when I, when I've said this before and when I talk about it globally across the whole organization, they look at me like I'm the craziest person in the room. They're like, we need them to work. What are you talking about? Exactly. And, 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 you know what it comes down to Lee is I have to really find out what they want. So it comes back a big part of all of this process. And this is, you know, for everything, even like growing a team, I, I, I call something wow team. Like how do we have wow teams? It's where you you meet someone where they are and you find out what their personal goals are what, with the organizational goals. And if they're both in alignment, then we have a wow match, right? That that person's, you know, and this has been said many ways. Like if you look at built to last by Jim Collins, you know, you look at, you know, if you're, if they're the right person in the right seat in the company, but then taking it one step further, looking at their personal agenda. And so when I sit with a CEO, it's like, okay, what's going, what is your goal? Like, what will having that do for you? What is your challenge or slowing you down from having that? And, and how is that affecting you and the organization? And within that, I can find the reasoning to try these new methods out because they, you know, it's, it's hinged on their goals not just some wild pipe dream. It's you know, instead of just saying, "Hey, let's try working less," you know, they'll they'll, sla they'll slap you, right? Right. But it so. is. You, you said it's counterintuitive, and it is. But in looking at what you're saying, is you're saying technology makes it more efficiencies. These forces seem to be clashing into each other. This is what my brain is saying, which is, you want me to provide more value in the be more productive in the time that I have. I have technology that makes it easier to work in a global workforce, but now I'm doing meetings at nine at night because the team on the other side of the planet needs to talk to me. Right. You know, it, um, it can, it can be that way, you know, it depends on how you set it up. Um, and you know, it depends on where you are. And so it is so global right now. Time zones are a big conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. so I have one client right now, they're not working in the Philippines or in India. They've found an excellent programming team in Argentina. And then they're relatively in the same time zone as the Pacific time zone here uh, on, the west, on the west coast of the United States. So um, it there's this this is where we truly have to look globally and there has been good reason for people to go to india or the philippines which are two of the highest countries in outsourcing but it doesn't but now that's really broadened and it's not the only place to look and so that comes back to that it truly is global now and you so it comes back to choice then audrey like you 
where, what time zone do you want to be in? And, you know, there are times where you can come on when they're coming on work, you're going off work and you can have a meeting and hand the baton and then you can have like a 24 hour workforce. So there's good reason to have those different time zones. So when you get in in the morning, like a whole bunch of stuff got done, you know, or vice versa, if you want everyone to be on the same time zone, just look in those areas, like what, what countries could support that. And also looking within the United States, you know, outsourcing doesn't necessarily mean it has to be international. I mean, if you're on the, uh, either the East coast or the West coast, it's going to be like the highest wage earners typically in the United States. There's a couple cities in the middle of the United States that also have high, high you know, you know, high living costs and it costs more, but there are states that you can do. We've had team members in Iowa and they're getting paid really well for their area, but then it's still significantly cheaper than San Francisco. What was that moment of pain or inspiration that led you to discover this? I mean, you don't just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I think I can be more productive by working less and have the wife believe you. Yeah, what happened, <laughs> so, Steve? Yeah, what actually <laughs> happened here? You guys, you're getting really personal now. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> business is personal. But, you know, it's, it, it is, you know, like I, people always ask me, are you a life coach or a business coach? And I say, well, when do you die when you go to work? You know, so this is all uh, the same. So it came to me, like I grew up, like I told you in Silicon Valley and my dad worked for a big tech company. And I just remember growing up and I went to bed at night and my dad was still at work. And when I woke up in the morning, he was off to the next day. And I am deeply grateful for everything he provided for our family. But in the end, I was that little boy wanting to be with my dad. So when I, when I uh, went to work, because my dad worked for a big company, for me, that was the, the part that was evil to me at that time because it's like, oh, they worked him. Uh, you know, obviously it was his choices, but I chose to be an entrepreneur because I was like, oh, I'll just have my own company. I'll be able to make my own hours. And then guess what I did? <laughs> the cat's in I the cradle. <laughs> I worked harder than my dad. I worked so hard. I was working so hard to not be my dad. It was like I was working to not work and that doesn't work. It's, it's like digging in a hole to get out of the hole. But, you know, the first rule of that is to drop the shovel and climb. You don't dig yourself out of a hole. You climb out of a hole. And I didn't get that. And so for 12 years, from 19 to 31, I became a raging workaholic uh, to the point of not just endangering my relationship with my wife. And, and now by the end of that time, I, we had my son was a newborn mm -hmm. and I'm just freaking out. I'm like, I'm a dad now and I'm worse than my dad. And I had health issues. I had gained uh, over 60 pounds. I was overweight. I was having heart palpitations. I thought I was having a heart attack one time when I was 31. I came oh, home wow. and I told my wife to call an ambulance or take me to the hospital. And she was able to calm me down. I was having an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. I was growing my business. And then I also failed my business in all of this because I invested more and more. I kept hiring more people and we grew the business. So I did have success in my strategy for growth. But then I, my net income to me was going down. So then I was having personal stresses. And so that's when everything hit. Uh, and I was so close to losing it all. And I got dragged to a workshop and met my mentor. I didn't even ask to go to a workshop. And it, but that was the turning point. I met someone else that was doing it differently. And then I said, Oh my gosh, you know, I just in that moment, I was so stressed and so sick that I said, if I don't get help, then I might as well quit. I it basically created my own jail is what it felt like. And, and meeting uh, my first mentor was was basically like getting bail and getting well, out of 
Dale. So who was your first mentor? Uh, that was Jeffrey Slater, who is not a big name in the world, but he did. He was speaking for over a decade all around the world. And uh, he, uh, he's basically self retired now. Like he's in an, in an, um, an inner, he built himself up. He's a self-made uh, person. And he basically, you know, as far as financials, and now he's taken the last two years off to like rethink things. And he's doing uh, what he's calling the grand initiative. He's taking uh, billionaires out of the work air, out of their workspace and uh, taking them into like no technology and either in the jungle or in the mountains and basically then coming back into the boardroom to make new decisions to rediscover. So he's taking like what he taught me to like the, the, another height right now. It's, he's, he's still just now inventing it and it's going to be invitation only and he's doing it on his money and then he, they can donate at the end of it. So he's basically making an invitation. They come and no charge. And then if they, if they've felt the difference, then they can donate to make the next one happen kind of thing. Right. So yeah, he's doing some big stuff. So that's fantastic. You know, there, you wrote something in your <clears throat> pre-show questionnaire that I, I wanted you to talk and define a little bit more about. You say, um, we are beyond working hours for money and we need to continue to shift toward paying for value. What does that mean in terms of management? Well, so, uh, you know, th we need to have uh, our, so when I work with my team, and, and this is what I teach my clients is that what do I want at the end of the quarter? What do I want at the end of the week? And then I want that accomplished. And I also want to have a narrow focus. So the whole thing of having this huge laundry list of things to do, it actually dilutes our productivity. So what I mean by it is, is I'm not so caught up on hours. You know, I'm actually hiring them. It's thinking more entrepreneurial within, within a corporation. So you're, you're, you're creating a space for a task, a project, a big shift, a milestone. Um, if you read Gino Wickman, he wrote a book called Traction. And in that book, he, he calls it the rocks. What are the rocks the company needs to have done to move to the next thing? And if, so, if you have a team of people or one person that gets a rock done and it substantially moves the needle of the company, then now we're talking. And, and if they get that done in one week instead of two months, like, do you actually care as a paying person? Like, would you, would you pay the same amount if it made that huge shift in the company? So you have to start to measure these things. It does take tracking and knowing what we're going to do. You know, so we're not taking risk. We're not throwing money at people and saying, I hope this works. We actually have to have a plan, right? So there has to be a strategy. But the idea is that I'm no longer saying, oh, you need to work 40 hours. No, I don't really care. If you actually can do it in 20 and you can go home and be with your family, the odds are, and the data is out there, I'm not the only one, that uh, they're actually going to be way more productive. You know, uh, Germany is, the you know, one of the most successful countries. They are the leader in Europe as far as um, you know, on the business side and they take an average of 10 weeks off more than Americans, 10 weeks. It's, uh, it's wild. It's like unbelievable. Like you say that to an American, they're like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> ten, 10 weeks in one year? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they look at us and they're like, how do you raise a family without having any time for your kids? Well, yeah, that's what's happening. And we're, our kids are growing up on their own or with their school teachers only. Yeah. And, and, and results end up in the news, you know, on a daily basis around here. So you admit you, you're big into marketing and uh, you've got this thing called the client capture process. Tell me more about that. 
So it, it comes back, it's very in line with the WOW team. So what we already brought up about having, um, you know, we've, we discover, you know, so now in order to make it easy, uh, the reason I called the process that you, you just capture clients, almost like putting a net out fishing and all the fish just come right in. If we actually say the right words. So one big thing when I went to film school, so I came from the art side and got into ads and I'll tell you, I made my first ads and they flopped. And I'm like, what was going on? I made this epic commercial. And the reality was I didn't say the right words. And so my big thing to keep it really simple right now is to meet people where they are, which I already said for team. And the same goes, because remember, recruiting is marketing and sales. It's the mm -hmm. same thing. We're getting the right people. So when we're, when we're managing sales or we're managing people, we need to meet them where they are. So I always say, find your wow client, the one that you really, the whole company lights up. It serves everyone, you know, everyone, it's win-win. And then we find out what they want. And I call it like surveying to success, which is really tricky because people are sick and tired of surveys. So we have to ask in just the right way and find out the exact words that our wow client are saying. And then I put that right in the ads. Like oh, very, very deliberately, like almost word for word. And it takes all the creativity out of a way. And when people say, how are you won so many awards and been so successful in marketing? And I, and I often say, um, because I didn't write this stuff, the clients do. If you actually take the words right from the client or customer and put it in your ads, you, I've, I've quadrupled results, ROI on marketing just by doing that. And that's what, that's the basis of this process that you're asking about is like, creating that so it's so much easier so clients just come right to you and the same if you're recruiting right now your team just comes right to you because you're using the right language that makes sense we got a few minutes left it's stevenapolitan.com is the website and uh same thing on twitter so um what's your bandwidth for this year um we send you some referrals hopefully maybe some of our listeners will want to engage with you what have you got going on and how would you like to be contacted well, um, yeah, through social media is a great way. Our website, uh, stevenopolitan.com, as you said, uh, is a perfect way to pick your social media of choice and reach out. We have workshops. I'm doing four more workshops this year where people fly into California. Uh, that keeps me here so I can be with my kids. And then I give travel vouchers. So I actually discount by 50 $1,500 our workshops so that you can pay for your airfare and travel to come here. And then we also have online programs. So if you go on social media, you'll be able to get involved. I do webinars. There's lots of ways to, to, to connect. How long are the workshops in person there with you? Um, so I do two different ones. I do more business, more life, which is a three day workshop on how to exactly do what it says, build more business while you have more life without sacrificing. And then the second one is win, win weekend. It's how to sell without selling. It goes more on this this marketing and sales, like how do we authentically sell uh, without being cheesy and get past all these old techniques and actually close more deals? Old techniques makes me think, but wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, and there is, yeah. And that's a four-day workshop. That's a four-day workshop. Oh, wow. uh, it, I tried to do it in three and it was so close to getting people prepared, but at, with four days, people leave. If they've never done sales, they're able to make sales. And if they are a salesperson, we've doubled income, you know, I've had some salespeople get up to $500,000 income uh, by using these techniques. Yeah, so. stop selling. If you want to sell more, just stop selling. It, it really is true. <laughs> Steve, I encourage everybody to engage with you because when we have met in person, you're a delight. And uh, I'm so glad you came on the show today. 
It's my pleasure. And if you want, if you want to put a link with your podcast um, survey to success, uh, I, I'll give that away, that process of how to find the right words. And they can actually text message in. If you're in the United States, uh, survey to 72,000, 72 and the word survey, text that in and then you can have that um, for free. Fantastic. All right, everybody, get on that. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. And Steve, thanks for coming. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.